You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. What's going on, everybody? This is the Clap Your Hands Podcast. I'm Elliot Shore Parks. Kyle Newbeck here. First episode, of course, the game goes double overtime. <laughs> if this is what it's going to be like to do a Sixers pod, I can see why everybody complains about how much it, how much it sucks to love this team. But before we get started, just want to say thank you for everybody that's listening to the first episode. I'm super excited to start this pod. The Sixers are my favorite team growing up. Kyle is my favorite Sixers writer to read. So I'm just looking forward to, to doing this, to talking about obviously not this game, which is going to be terrible. I hope you guys all don't hate me by the time I'm done saying my takes from this game. <laughs> but uh, before we go, and I let Kyle kind of go off on what he saw just want to ask everybody, if you're listening to this pod, if you could auto-subscribe, it would really help the show grow. You'll get all the episodes first, and all of the episodes will be on the Odyssey app. So hit that auto-subscribe uh, button, download the Odyssey app, and you will get to hear us first what is turning into an extremely frustrating season with an extremely frustrating team. Kyle, I had all these plans to start the pod. I was going to tell <laughs> you about about, you know, I was a Sixers fan and Iverson was my favorite player and show you my background I spent all this time building and all these things. But after watching that game, man, I'm going to let you go first, but I just want to say this this first off the top. Yes. It is so fitting that the end of that game was the washed old Rockets versus the new young Rockets. Like watching, <laughs> watching this team have to try to win without Joel Embiid, they deserved it. They flat out deserved it. The ending was perfect for a team that it's where they are right now. So what did you, what, I mean, I'll, I guess I don't even know where to begin. What is your takeaway from that? Because I know fans are extremely frustrated. I guess I'm just tired of watching this same loss essentially, or at least this same performance. Like there are versions of this game that the Sixers have won in the past, right? Where, you know, Joel is just kind of loafing around on defense in the middle of the game. James Harden is committing stupid turnovers and it hasn't always been James Harden committing those stupid turnovers. It's been Ben Simmons or some backup guard or Seth Curry or whoever it is on a given night. And they screw around, they screw around, they don't take care of business mm. and they think they can flip a switch. And frankly, they're just not as good as they carry themselves as like this team to me, the biggest problem with this group. And like, I, I think you trace this to leadership, which, you know, that's Doc, that's Joel, yeah. that's certainly James. Darryl, They're a team that Darryl. acts – I don't – well, Daryl can't do much on game nights. I think, like, the organization of the, the roster, all that, we can talk about that yeah. in a little bit. But if you're talking about, like, on the floor, 
these guys carry themselves as if they have proven anything as a group or as if they've won anything as a group. Joel's never been out of the second round. We all know what James's reputation is as a playoff guy, like great regular season resume, going to be a Hall of Famer, all that stuff. But we're used to seeing him have performances like this when you really need him. You know, on top of that, like we'll probably get to this at some point later. It's a secondary concern beyond this, but like James Harden played 38 minutes <laughs> after being out for a month with a foot injury. On a, so minute there, like, on a minute restriction. On a minute restriction. restriction. Quote, what, unquote, was, what, what, what was the restriction? 50 minutes? Was it like, we right. just wanted to keep him under 45 tonight. You know, we thought it was important. I, like, I don't even know why you would tell people he's got a minute's restriction if you're going to play him through double overtime. Right. Like, just, just a really stupid thing. So, like, I think I hate the word entitlement because that it's a very loaded word mm. but they do at times carry themselves like they are just an entitled group like oh yeah we have all this talent we have these big name guys we're gonna figure it out this guy like pj's been a winner at these different places pj tucker has played good man defense in like four or five games and other than that has been just as up and down as the rest of these guys offensively has sucked for you right. know the last month and He's getting torched on back cuts and, you know, effort awareness plays just like the rest of them. So, you know, none of these guys are blameless. The the best and most fun they've been for this fan base most of the year is when the stars were out and there were no expectations. And these guys just came in and played hard and played together and they won games. I know they played Orlando and Brooklyn and, you know, these teams that aren't that good or are just not cohesive. But it, it really makes you zero in on what you see and what's going wrong when they do have these guys available. Yeah. And so for me, I agree with you that it starts at the top and on game night, like we'll get into doc and I'm going to ask you about 15 different ways, whether they're going to fire him, even though, <laughs> even though this game is really not on doc, like, unless you want to say it's like an effort thing, maybe. But when I watched this team tonight, I didn't come away thinking like, Look, I'm not saying they're they're a great coach team. I'm not saying to give a ton of effort. But, like, when Joel is not on the court, they're just not that good. Like, they're just not. Like, let's yeah. be real. I don't care what P.J. Tucker makes. P.J. Tucker is not a good player anymore. Like, yeah, he can play good man-to-man -man defense every once in a while. I would rather watch Ben Simmons shoot that dumb hook shot than watch him shoot these threes anymore. Like, oh, no, no, no. I can't <laughs> like, go that far. I can't right, watch Ben, like, right. ever it's again. It's 1130 I'm at so night. Far. I'm just saying, like, every time this dude shoots the ball, first of all, his stroke is ugly. Like, it's hard to watch. Like, so let's just go through him. Like, and that that's my takeaway, too, from watching. The Rockets are young. They're tat like I know talented is strong because they don't win a lot of games, but like right. they have good young guards that they're building around, right? Like they beat the Sixers tonight. They beat the Suns a few weeks ago. They move quickly. Like they take a ton, ton of threes. They take a ton of free throws. Like that's the team on a, in, a, in a macro sense. Like that's the team I want to watch. That's the team I want to root for. The team I don't want to root for is the team that is minutes restriction on a 34 year old or 33 year old guard that's had leg injuries for two years that runs their offense through a center. And I know Joel is awesome. I'm aware of that, but there's a reason this team is so slow and it's because it goes through Joel. So like when I think about like, you know, why they lost and all these things to me, it's just because they're old and slow. Like it, flat out like i don't know what doc's supposed to do like on tonight what, what what's the doc change you would have made like i would fire doc bottom line i'd fire doc because it's the biggest change you can make but when you were naming like top of the reasons why they're why tonight they lost like joel james right 
it, it's Daryl too, though. Like, yeah, like the roster is not as good as we thought it was going to be. It's just not as good as we thought it's going to be. Look, and I think at this point, part of the problem is that they have not even been able to develop any kind of habits and consistency and chemistry. Like the ones they have are bad because these guys haven't played together. They're, most of their minutes were, you know, the first nine games of the season. And then it's just been a, a merry-go-round of people jumping in and out. And mm-hmm. oh, this, this night we have Joel and this night we have James. And like, if you're talking about a legitimate, this is not like a criticism of Joel, but it is one, if you're talking about, his value within the league hierarchy, right? Like part of the reason that he gets dinged and like people hate hearing all oh, the availability is the best ability and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you don't know who's going to play night to night and James, you know, this is a different sort of injury this year, but when James compounds that and it's just this constant battle to even know, all right, who's going to play tonight, let alone who can I run the offense through and, and all that kind of stuff. It makes it really hard to have any kind of consistency, to build an identity as a team, to even develop like new sets. I know like there are people who are like, they don't run any plays. Well, I don't know how you can develop a playbook when you don't even know what pieces you're going to have right. night to night and having to flip those things around. So, you know, I am I would say I'm like with every coach, I've never been in that like fire the coach mindset with the Eagles, with the Sixers, with anything. I it is the biggest card they can play. Right. And so I'm I'm curious at, at this point, like everything that I've been told throughout this process, throughout the, the early part of the regular season is that, you know, they're all in the boat together. And I, I still believe that to be the case. I think they all view this as they have to get this right together. I just wonder, you know, we're now in, what is it, December 5th. A lot of people will probably hear this on December 6th. You're in December and everyone's like, well, the NBA season starts on Christmas and that's always been a big thing. When is it going to start for this team? Right. They're not going to be ready to to like go and hit the gas on Christmas. They're trying to play competent basketball. I know they've been on a road trip and they've had injuries and there are all these excuses, but we're looking for like any sign of consistency and they just haven't shown it. And I don't know where that comes from when you have all these factors that are going to continue contributing to inconsistency. So I wanted to start the pod kind of going into the specifics of this game. We've kind of gotten a little off of that. So I'll stay off of that for, for another minute. What I do want to ask you though, cause so you're around the team every day, right? Like most plugged in reporter, in my opinion on the beat, like you've been covering for years. My question is this though, like how long do these excuses last? Because I hear you say, well, when do they have time to put plays in the playbook? They had Joel and Harden last year. They had an entire offseason to this. They had yeah. Toby last year. I know Maxi didn't play tonight, but Maxi was here last year. Like the majority of the team, I, I know PJ is new and obviously Melton, but they're not huge pieces. Like, so this idea that, well, the end of the game plays, like, when do they put the plays in? I don't know. Over the last eight months when these when the roster <laughs> was together, like maybe then would have been a good idea. Maybe training camp, you know, go down to South Carolina for more than like four days, maybe play in the preseason. Like well, they were interrupted by like an act of God with the hurricane okay, that's or fair. however you okay. want to frame that. Yeah. So training camp was, but also the decision to go there in the first place. That's like, right. you could have just had it. Right. Not in a place where hurricanes happen. <laughs> yeah, that would have, yeah, that probably wouldn't. But to be fair, not as good at golf there. So that is one part of it. But, okay. but I guess, but my question to you is as someone that's around the team, like, 
do they believe these excuses? Like, like, do they honestly believe that they need more time to gel when your two players are like, James is definitely at the back end of it, obviously at the back end of his career. Joel, probably not the back end, but I don't know, man. Like he's a 30 year old, 30 something, almost 30 year old center with foot problems. I'm not going to sit here and act like he has five more years. So where do they draw the line on when these excuses are, are enough to like make some type of change? Like, do you feel they really believe this stuff? it's probably a case by case thing. Like Joel is very out. Joel is at a place in the league hierarchy where he is here until he doesn't want to be here. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he is that level of star. And so they're going to do whatever they can around him. Obviously there's the Maury history with Harden, which complicates the situation there, but you know, James could decide he could look at this. Like he came here wanting to, like, I truly believe what James has said. Like, he wants to win more than anything, whether he's capable of winning, being like one of your most important guys at this point in his career is another story. But, you know, if they have another second round exit and there's a lot of this type of stuff throughout the season to get to the playoffs and some team that's tougher or more experienced or just flat out better than them punches them in the mouth. Like mm -hmm. James might look next year at his player option and say, I'm out. Like, I don't want to be here. You don't know. You can't. Regardless of the the Mori history, you can't guarantee that. So I do think that this organization knows they put a lot of chips in for this year. They're operating under a hard cap with the salary cap yeah. because they had to go out and get PJ Tucker and they got Daniel House Jr. They traded for Melton, who he's more of a like a middle of the road. You could still use him to build like the next Sixers team if this all really goes to crap over the next you know six months to a year. Right. Um, but to your point, like with Harden and Embiid and run in place, end of the Rockets game tonight. Mm -hmm. Doc not calling a timeout is something that I saw a lot of people going nuts over in the final 30 seconds. And like I I think you could go either way there in those situations. Like if the other team can bring in their best defenders, that's not a good thing either. Because Houston doesn't have a lot of good defenders in the first place. So you don't want to give them any opportunity to get like one of their two or three decent defenders on the floor. Yeah. But you give the ball to James Harden, who's been in the league for how long? And he has not had it for the entire second half. He hasn't played in a month. And his decision is to take this horrible contested shot that Kevin Porter Jr. blocks. Like you got what you deserve there. And if he's going to continue to make decisions like that, then he's not pushing this team forward the way they well, need to. So wait, let me push back on that a little bit because I am, I was okay with not calling the timeout for the reasons you said, I mean, the three James had made, unless I'm conflating overtime with, with the regulation. Like he did James make did, one in like the last 90 big, seconds, I think. Yeah. I, I, I have him down in my notes as making two threes, like in the last six plus minutes and then the rest. So he did make that. But the problem with him is he can't get by anybody really. Like, and we can talk about how he played tonight, but I don't think he looks much different than he did before the end. Like, I don't think he looks much quicker. I don't think the rest seem to do him any, any good. And when he does get to the line, when he does get past people, A, like he's not as good at the rim as he used to be. So you're talking about him probably if he tries to go anything past the three, just getting into inside the line and then just shooting a jumper. So I don't know if that's much better of a shot. I agree that like the, the overall, that's not the shot you want. But once the ball's in his hand in that spot, I, I don't know. I don't know if I blame him too much for taking that shot. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, and also as you think through it, it's like, well, you got to get the ball to Joel. He's your best player. And Joel in overtime throws two of the most ridiculous jump pass turnovers I've ever seen. Like the exact same spot on the floor and essentially the exact same turnover twice in the span of a minute you could say honestly and it's insane to say this based on how people talk about him you could have given the ball or at least involved tobias harris who had a, <laughs> a like a career night yeah. from three like at least get him involved like that's the weird thing about this season is that i think he has actually been pretty great like he's embraced the role they need him to he's a spot-up shooter who's shooting high volume and high efficiency and then when guys are out of the lineup, he's doing more of the he's running the offense through the mid post and doing all this stuff that we saw him do in previous seasons. But, you know, well, it's if you're ultimately saying, well, maybe they should have given it to Tobias in that spot. It's like, well, that shows you one, you don't trust the guys who you really need to trust in those big moments. Mm-hmm. And two, that things have gone south compared to where we thought we were at the start of the year. Well, it's funny to think that in a game where they had Joel, they had Harden and they played a team with, I think like bottom three record in the league. Tobias is the only reason the game was competitive. And, and yeah. it wasn't even like a traditional Tobias way. What what do you finish? Like seven of eight from three? Like right. obviously this that's tied his career high and threes made. It's amazing. Yeah. That's not something I think you can count on moving forward. I do give him credit for being a willing three point shooter. I remember when they made the Harden trade and really before that, but especially at the Harden trade, the whole thing was he's got to be willing to shoot. He's got to be willing to shoot. He definitely has turned into that. Like, it's funny. You talk about the Joel turnovers and really, you know, I guess Harden as well in this. Has Tobias improved like more than in in a way more than those guys? And the fact that he's now willing to take threes, like he's made a concrete example of you can look at and say like a tangible thing he's actually improved on because the team needed it. Joel with those turnovers at the end, it's been how many years now talking about the Joel turnovers? He's averaging a career high and those two at the end, like it's, it's inexcusable. Yeah, like it's a it's a very conscious change in how Tobias has played. And yeah. I've made this observation a couple of times recently. Joel has talked a lot about uh, his playmaking and saying, you know, if you double me in the middle of the floor, that's not smart because, you know, then I can hit this guy in the corner and I can do this as a passer. I can do that as a passer. Well, one, that was proven wrong tonight with the turnovers. Yes. But it also feels at times that he's, almost playing selfishly unselfish that there are passes he makes where he's making them to say that he passed it as as almost a way to justify the fact that he'll go one on three and shoot a hero ball shot in in a different situation. Now, granted, he is the guy that you want to take hero ball shots. He's your best player. You ultimately Mm -hmm. want him to demand the ball in tough spots, but I would rather see him make 
he's a smart enough guy and player to make instinctive reads and hit guys with these great on cuts in opposite corners, making cross court passes. And I just find that sometimes he's forcing passes that are not there instead of just saying, I have a one-on-one matchup and I can just shoot over this guy. And it's, it's hard for him. It seems like it's hard to him to find that balance between the two extremes. And you would think by now, as talented as he is and all the improvements he's made otherwise that he would have sort of found that middle ground. And I'm not, I'm not seeing that, but the bigger disappointment honestly is the defensive stuff. Like, yeah, they have been the number one defense in the league. I don't know what it is after tonight's game. I'd have to check what the probably not great. Numbers are. Yeah. Um, now overtime and double overtime where nobody scored basically probably helped the numbers there, but I've been disappointed the Memphis game and this game with him just, flipping the switch off Mm -hmm. he does not have the luxury of saying i don't want to play hard on this possession and if it's about a energy conservation thing like he's carrying the offense too much you have to be willing to say to james harden i need you to go and get me 25 or 30 or you go to tobias and say i need more from you on offense i'm gonna set screens for you and Clearly, those guys could not contain dribble penetration tonight. Houston's one of the worst defensive teams in the league. If that is what it takes to get him to be all-world defense all the time, he has to know that. The coaching staff has to know that. And all these other guys have to surround him in a way that makes him the best version of himself. Because they're not going to win with him playing like two quarters of defense. Yeah. Right? Like they they can win a first-round playoff series and they could put a scare into somebody – they're not beating Boston. They're not beating Milwaukee. They're not beating a real team with him going, you know, half speed on defense for half of games. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, he can ask Harden to get him 25, 30 all he wants. Like, you know, whether Harden he can, can is another. Yeah, Harden story. can't do it. Right. Exactly. Like, you know, he can go ask Ferk to get him 22. But um, I mean, the thing about Joel, and let, let's get into his game tonight because obviously and rightfully so, we've been somewhat critical of the team for the first part of the pod not how we wanted to start the clap your hands uh clap (laughs) clap your hands era but um you know I thought one thing I did like about Joel tonight clearly the Rockets had nobody that could physically match him and I think sometimes when that happens with Joel he's not willing to I'm not like a go in the paint guy trust me I'm okay with the fact that I prefer perimeter players and I like the fact he will he's willing to play from the perimeter but on a game like tonight where the Rockets are such an undersized team I did like that he went down to the paint I mean, he carried this team. Like, let's be real. Like, they're only in that overtime because of him. I mean, obviously, Tobias as well was a big part of that. But good offensive game. The turnovers, as you mentioned. The one thing, and I don't normally fall into this camp, like, he did get beat for some big offensive rebounds late in the game. And and against smaller players, too. And I don't think it's an effort thing. I just, like, I don't know what it is. But they he let up a lot of offensive rebounds at the end and in general this team got uh, you know i i don't know what the final number is but i'm sure the rockets ended up with more offensive rebounds to me that's again a a roster thing like they're old and slow and the rockets are not so i think when the effort even if it's the same the rockets are going to beat them to a lot of balls but what'd you see in terms of the offensive rebounding to you was that an effort thing like what what's happening there well so here's where i will put some responsibility on like the game plan and preparation front The last two games, you know Memphis and Houston are two of the best offensive rebounding teams in the league by design. Like, that's how their roster is structured. It's based on how hard they play. 
it's not like you're being taken by surprise, right? Somebody didn't just come in and, oh my God, this random player got 10 <laughs> offensive rebounds and what a game for him. These are teams that live on the offensive glass. And so as a group to come in that unprepared for that, and, you know, I put some of it on Joel because I think he gets a lot of rebounds normally, but isn't necessarily a good rebounder. Like I, I think he does not, attack the ball the way he should either yeah he has to box guys out better or he's got to go get the ball and most of the time he does neither he just sort of you know stands there and he's big so he's going to get a lot of rebounds but it's also the responsibility of the guys around him right like there were times tonight where i thought he did a decent enough job of sealing off one guy and then you know kenya martin jr who you and i both know his dad who was a freak athlete he's smaller than his dad but is also a freak athlete. He's coming from the perimeter, just flying through space, and the Sixers' guards and wings are nowhere to be found. You have to gang rebound as a team against a team yeah. like the Rockets. Like that, that's how you prevent them. You know, it's going to make you a slower team in transition, but the Sixers are slow anyway. So you might as well commit the bodies back and make sure you end the possessions because that's the lifeblood of a team like Houston. They're a young team that's going to force up bad shots. They didn't force a lot of bad ones tonight because the Sixers' defense was so bad. Yeah. Um, they but they live on those plays. Too. They missed yeah. a lot of open shots. I thought yeah. the Rockets did. Yeah, so it, it's just – it's a lot of stuff that – it comes down to focus and preparation and awareness and just – like I was talking about earlier, it's stringing together possessions, stringing together games, stringing together weeks at a time of, all right, this is who we are. We're going to either clean this up. We're going to be great at what we're great at. And, you know, so far, they just have been great at at nothing as a group for the season. Like, they've their defense has been very, very good up until the last week. And now the thing that was their defining trait for a month has been horrible. Like, they, they haven't been able to yeah. hold on to that. And maybe that's just a symptom of a long road trip and they had tired legs and all that, but I don't buy that as an excuse. Schedule, for, schedule loss, Kyle. Is that what you're saying? No, you, you, have, it. you don't loss, get to, you loss. don't get to have two days off yeah. and play the game and then say, Oh, it's the end of the road trip. Like you had plenty of time to settle in, get right and, and win this game. And they just didn't. And again, the Rockets aren't good. Like that's worth mentioning too. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> they're one of the worst teams in the league. Like the Memphis loss, all right, whatever. Like they didn't play their best. Joel had some iffy stretches middle of the game, but ultimately they battled in that game and they hung around and they're playing a really good team. This is a BS team that they Mm -hmm. lost to in Houston. Like they have, there's no excuse to lose to a team like that. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So where I always find myself after these losses, and I'm curious where you are, and keep in mind, this is somebody that tracks training camp stats and grades it daily. So I'm very <laughs> okay with overreacting to the to the minutia, to the little things, right? But I think more so than anything, the NBA regular season, especially this early, is essentially the preseason. Like, let's be real, right? Like, the, like you said, the season starts until Christmas. This is a team that, as flawed as they are, is going to be in contention. I mean, I, I used to say the number one seed, but I would think at least that top half of the East, I'd be surprised if they fall out of that. So... On a, on a macro scale, you know, three losses in a row, not a huge deal. Like they're what, seven games back with 55 to play six. Like they have time, right? Yeah. But what I want to ask you is game like tonight, what are some things you see that are like real concerning problems, right? Like things where you look and you go like, this could hurt them the rest of the year. I honestly, I can't go any further than like Joel is still making the same mistakes that have held him back mm. in like every big moment they've had over the span of time that he's been here. Like we can get into, I agree with you. Like, I think we've seen the further they get into the season that they are probably not athletic enough. Now I think you can work around that with certain lineups, but one big problem is how unplayable Matisse Thibel has been because he's a guy you put him in the lineup. And in theory, you could have done some really cool combinations with like him and Melton on the floor at the yeah. same time. You play zone, you could play switch everything with Paul Reed, and you just have a bunch of athletic guys flying around the floor, creating turnovers, getting out in transition. But Thibel has not only not made progress as a shooter, I, I don't know what his numbers are at this point, but he was actually worse than his previous years early in the year. So that has complicated things a lot. Like that limits your options off the bench to change the complexion of the team. I think, and we didn't see this tonight, but my biggest concern coming into the year is that I don't know how you build a finals capable defense when your backcourt is James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. And I love Tyrese Maxey. Like, I think the growth that he's shown, the personality that he has, like he has all the makings of a guy who's going to be a potentially special offensive player, but he's a small guard who gets picked on quite often. And he's playing next to a guy who is a notoriously apathetic defender away from the ball. Like people always talk about James's post defense, right? Like, oh, he's a really good post defender. I don't, I don't care at all whether James Harden can defend the post. That's something that like is so irrelevant in any big time situation. It'll, you might get like a couple possessions a game where that matters at all. What matters is that his off ball attentiveness is bad. And so he can, when he's on ball, he's engaged and he's big enough, long enough that he can disrupt some guys. But if you have a link in the chain that is a guy who is simply not paying attention half of the time, yeah. it's really hard to build the sort of defense you need to win an NBA title. And that's despite the fact that you have Joel Embiid protecting the rim. I think he's one of the best rim protectors in the NBA. So that that is number one. And that's not even something that we had to think about tonight since Tyrese is still you know, nursing an injury and trying to get back to full strength. Uh, other than that, you know, we can obviously get into more of the coaching stuff. Yeah. Since Doc has been like the first year with Doc, everyone's flying high and, you know, they're all bought in. And I will say the one thing in his favor is that 
Joel has talked him up. Like whenever Joel has had a chance to bury the coach since he's been here, he has pretty much always said that it, it's not the fault of the coaches. We have to take accountability. But well, what, when is what, the accountability going to happen is the, the question, I guess. Well, I was going to say, uh, you know, so I cover an Eagles team where they'll never – I don't mean this as an insult. They say almost nothing interesting. Like no one throws each other under the bus. They're all very yeah. buttoned up in that way. I was going to say, well, of course, Joel is going to support him publicly. But Joel has shown he's very willing to throw people under the bus. So the fact that he has not said anything negative about Doc, I do think maybe could be somewhat telling. I mean, do you so you think Joel wants Doc to stay? Like that's uh, that's all indications have been that he's he likes Doc and he's good with Doc. Like there was. At the time that Doc was hired, it was really interesting because Ty Lu probably was the best choice for them to hire at the time. Mm -hmm. But because he was a clutch guy and the politics of hiring a clutch guy at the time, yeah, I think that was a big factor in at least his thinking of who he wanted here. I, I, I think Joel, from my recollection, was on board with D'Antoni, but I don't know if that was like a almost like a trolley sort of thing where he was like, Oh yeah, we'll hire Antonio and run <laughs> and score a hundred fifty points all for the or bit. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I don't even know if that was like a serious thing, but then, you know, doc becomes available and it becomes the easy though. Yeah. He's a, you know, long time respected coach who generally gets the best out of his stars. And like, here's what I will also say. People want to blame doc, but Joel has by far, played his best basketball under doc. And there are things that he does now on a regular basis that he did not do under Brett Brown. Like he is confident enough in his uh, reading of the game at this point that he will call plays over and over. If they run something and it works, you'll see Joel run down the court like this and say, we're running it again. And that is something we never saw. He did not feel like he was in control of the offense most of the time. It was a structure where it was a, a team-centric, move the ball around, swing the ball around type of deal. And that suited Ben Simmons really well. But because they've moved to more of this, if something's working, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, that has really suited Joel well over these last few years. We've seen his growth in a lot of different areas. Despite the turnovers tonight, I do think he's become – a better playmaker and their spacing has been more consistent to help them in that. And, you know, doc has played a part in that. And so I don't think he takes that lightly. I think he does see the performances that the role players gave when he was out and James is out and Tyrese is out. Like that's something that he credits to doc on some yeah. level, I think. Um, so that's the hard part, right? Like if the star player is ultimately on board with the coach, it's very, it's a very hard case to make to walk in there and be like, he's the problem and he's got to go. So I don't, I've heard nothing to suggest that that is in the cards anytime soon, but you know, if they keep losing games like this, anything gets put on the table. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, so with the Eagles, like Gannon's always the punching bag when they lose, right? Like the defense could give up seven points and people would be like, well, why weren't you blitzing? So I, I know that like with teams, there become figures where it just doesn't matter how the game plays itself out. Like that's where the anger will be. And my guess is, you know, on WIP tomorrow morning, people are going to want Doc fired. And I think that he's just a punching bag at this point. And that point you made about Embiid is interesting. I hadn't thought about it from that angle about him playing his best basketball uh, under Doc. Again, I think we sound like we're probably on the same page where 
ultimately Doc's the last big card they have to pull. I don't think it's going to change much. I don't think making one of the assistants he had coach or bringing in D'Antoni, like I don't think that changes the season. It doesn't make P.J. Tucker younger. It doesn't make Harden younger. It doesn't make Joel yeah. less injury prone come playoff time. Joel's had playoff struggles of his own. I would be surprised, you know, and this is my from afar opinion. You, I trust your insider opinion more. I would be surprised if Doc finished the season here. It's just the season doesn't seem to be playing out the way where they're not going to pull that card. But the last thing I wanted to ask you about, and frankly, I was going to start the pod with this, but then they had that <laughs> terrible game, was um, you wrote a really good article this morning on Philly Voice talking about you know, what you were going to be looking for from James tonight. And I asked you what from tonight are like big long-term concerns. I'm pretty much always in the camp of like a team's just going to be as good as their best players. Like we can talk about the role players and I complained right. about them tonight and they're old and everything. Bottom line, if Joel and James are special in the playoffs, it doesn't matter if me and you are out there with them. Like if you're Correct. special, like that's what matters. And they haven't been like, they have not been, but with James, what did you see tonight from him? Like, I guess on a macro scale, like, did you think he looked good, bad, the impact of the offense? Like, I think he mostly still looked like the same guy. He shot it terribly, had a few big threes. I hate the fact he's passed first now. I just, it kills me to no end. But what did you see from him? I I think we're on the same page on that one. Like, I, I don't see the first two games of the season. They played Boston and Milwaukee. Obviously, everyone was pissed off that they lost. But right. you could at least say, oh man, James is looking to score and is looking really good at scoring. Like he's getting to the basket, his shots falling. I think the one big surprise from the Milwaukee game early in the year is that he was leaning on that mid-range jumper more. And that's something we've continued to see, or at least we saw in like eight games to start the year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's a big departure for him. But overall, I, it's a lot of the same problems that they ran into end of last year. He's a great playmaker. He'll get you into your offense. He's going to make life easier for the standstill shooters. He'll get Joel good shots and so on and so forth. But ultimately, he doesn't have the legs that he used to. And the the margins are just so much thinner now. He goes to the rim, and he's not able to shrug a guy off with his shoulder or finish around length at the rim. Like There's just a lot of shots that he either would have dunked or he would have finished with a layup and taken a foul in the past. And now either he's getting fouled and the ball's flying up 50 feet in the air because he's trying to over-exaggerate the contact, mm -hmm. or he's just missing and the other team's running the other way while he's complaining about the foul call that he didn't get. And I just I don't think he's the guy that they need him to be. If they can get away with it, it really is going to come down to Tyrese yeah. basically being the if not the closer, at least like a pseudo closer and the guy who carries the offense for stretches of the game. The problem at this point is that Tyrese's minutes, at least how they staggered at the start of the year, have come next to Joel. And he so that's not a situation where Tyrese is going to get a chance to. All right. It's the Tyrese Maxi show. I'm going to go out and carry the offense. So it's Ken James in that role where, you know, it's Paul Reed at center and a bunch of shooters. Can he start hunting his shot more, get to the paint more, finish more, get fouled more, all that stuff? I haven't seen anything to suggest he's getting back to like anywhere close to MVP level Harden. I yeah. do think he's been better this year than last year, but it's not enough to like fundamentally change their ceiling as a team, I don't think. Now we have a lot of season left, but that's where I'm at right now. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, when they, so and the more we record this pod, you'll find like, I truly don't give a shit about defense. I'm basically just a bucket boy that cares about scores. Like, I just really don't. Like, growing up, Iverson was my favorite player. I don't even really care about shooting percentage that much besides three-pointers. Like, I just want somebody that's going to score. And when they were getting Harden, that's what I thought. I mean, that's what everyone thought they were getting, right? And he's essentially, I was joking about this last year, and I've since come down from this. But, like, he was kind of like Ben with a beard to me. Like, he he was just like, Oh, I wouldn't go that far. I know, I know, I know, I know. know. I'm just saying, like, if I knew they were trading for a guard that was just going to pass it and, like, be bad at shooting threes, then I don't know. Like, you know, I know Ben never shot, which is a difference. But at the end of the day, I think, like, the the Sixers' problem to me is their one is probably just not good enough to be a one, and their two is probably just not good enough to be a two anymore. And with Tyrese, the other thing is, you bring up his size on defense. I think his issue on offense is his size too. Like he's a phenomenal shooter, but do I trust him to get beat up for the playoffs in three straight series and be able to score by the end of that third series? Like probably not. Like as much as I loved Iverson, he broke down all the time because of his size. And Maxi, I think he's probably bigger than Iverson. Um, but regardless, same thing. In terms I know of- he is because I've stood next to both of them. And okay. Tyrese is definitely taller than, than a- what a <laughs> What a fucking flex by you, man. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> but and you're pretty tall yourself, actually. But um, I'm, I'm about Tyrese's size. We're like yeah. right in the same. And I'm about, I don't know. I was going to try to think of a You six. might be Iverson's size. Yeah, I was on a good day. Yeah, maybe. But no, I mean, I just think like the best players – Again, as good as Joel was tonight, didn't do it at the end. Also kind of fitting. I joked at the beginning about how uh, it was fitting he was out, but because they had to try without him. Also kind of fitting he was out when they really needed him, like for what it's worth, you know? So overall, yes. I just think like tonight was not the game you wanted to start the clap your uh, hands era on, obviously. But when I started the pod, and I don't know if you have any, do you have anything else from the game before we kind of wrap things up? No, I'm to. One thing I wanted to say in response to what you said about Tyrese, I I do worry about the offensive side too, mm-hmm. in the, like a playoff type scenario because unless you are like a god level shooter, and maybe he is one, maybe which he kind of has one. been, and yeah. yeah, but unless you are like Dame Lillard level shooter, and that is a really high bar to clear, or like a Steph Curry, and Steph is bigger than both those guys. Unless you are at like that type of level as a pull-up guy where you completely distort the court, it is a really hard way to make a living, especially in the playoffs. So that, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah. So I want to ask you a question, but I don't want you to answer it now. We're going to do a pod later in the week. I think we say we're going to do it Thursday, definitely before the Lakers game on Friday. Think about this and then answer it on the next pod before we wrap things up. A, do you believe this is a roster Daryl Morey Morey truly believes in? Like, if you put him on a lie detector test, would he tell you this is a team that can win a title? And B, if he got the chance to trade this Sixers situation for the Rocket situation, the young players, the picks, all those things, swap them out, would he do it? So The second one, I already know the answer to. (laughs) The first one, I'll think about. uh, I think the second one is a little more interesting than you think. But, okay. Think about that. So at the beginning of the pod, I was definitely worked up from the loss. I was ready to go. So before we wrap up this pod, I do want to reiterate to everyone, especially that's listening now, if you're listening at midnight, you are a true real one. You're my hero. Yeah. Well, you're definitely a huge Kyle fan. There's no way you're listening for me. So shout out to Kyle for anybody that's still listening at this point. But in all seriousness, if you're listening to the pod now, really, really appreciate you listening to the first episode. Very excited to do this pod. I mean, as much as games like tonight are frustrating, 
They're also fun in a sick way because I love talking about this team. I love talking about how they can get better. And I love, you know, interacting with fans. I do it with Eagles fans all the time. I'm super excited to interact with more Sixers fans. So thank you guys, everybody, for listening. As I said on the top, subscribe to the pod. Leave a five-star review. Leave a take, right? What would you do with Joel? How would you answer the question I asked Kyle? Leave a five-star review. I'll make sure. If you leave a question for Kyle, I'll make sure I ask Kyle on the next pod. Make sure you download the Odyssey app. Make sure you subscribe to the pod. Kyle, I mean, we look, we said we were going to try to be done. I feel like we could keep going, but we should probably probably wrap this up. Um, excited for the first episode to be done. Then. Yeah, we can have a slightly more organized discussion on that Thursday. <laughs> midnight on Monday night after a double overtime six or Amen, amen. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. Already super excited to do the next one, and um, I will talk to you guys next time.